Last Sabbath, I talked about that in the midst of fear, that the only thing that can overcome fear is not courage or, or strength, it's actually love. And I share with you that love is not a thing, an emotion that we feel. Love is a person. Love is Jesus. And I end up with the fact that the only thing any, anybody can offer you now is Jesus. Only by having Him in your life can you be assured and overcome the fear you're facing. But what does it mean? See, the word for comfort uh, comes from the word in Latin, comfortis. It's interesting, it says to be with strength. When you're comforting somebody, you're giving strength to that person beside that person. That's in Latin. And in Greek, it says parakelio, to comfort somebody, it also means to call out. Which is interesting, because to call out, who are we calling to for comfort? As pastors, that's part of like our job scope, you know, to, to offer comfort, especially times like this. Um, you don't know how many forms I fill in just going in and out of hospital. It takes me hours. Just like just filling forms, go in, next department, fill form, go in, I'm going to go there, fill form, and like, oh, you forgot to fill the form, go right down, fill that form. I'm like, uh, I, I, to comfort, I have to fill forms to get to even that person. And then I can't even go some places, they're like, who are you? You're not related, please get out. But to call out in times like this, at times where I can't access somebody to be right beside them, the comfort I can offer is to call out to the only source of comfort. Because as pastors, I don't offer anything from me. There's nothing I can offer to anybody that will comfort them. I can't do anything about the situation. I can't change it. I have no power. But I know who does. And so in comforting somebody, it is my duty and job to call out to the one who can, even at distance. You know, like a lot of people think that the pastor is like the person who will fix the problem when there's a situation, you get a call. Like recently I get calls from strangers to say, Pastor, can you pray for me and my family? I'm like, sure, who are you? But I'll just pray first. Um, it's interesting in time of, of, of problems and challenges and issues, people look to church. I got people just recently, I just noticed, people just stop and they're just like looking up to the cross. I think they were praying right outside Aztec as they walked by. But, you know, pastors ourselves cannot do anything, and so are all of us. Like, we are, like, this, this news came out, this paramedic was trying to get the person to, into the ambulance to the hospital, and he got punched. Like, you know, the, the camera caught it right where he was punching the guy. Or well, the SCDF boys feel that pain. And sometimes, yeah, you know, collateral damage, pastors trying to help, and then we get damaged uh, and get hurt. But because we know we can't do much, uh, we can only sustain the life until we get them to the ultimate source of help. In trouble, like first responder, when you see somebody that is in trouble, you don't say, let me save you. You say, call 995. There's a lot of things that even if you have the knowledge and the skill, you can't even do it because you don't have the equipment. And so ultimately for pastors and church members in times like this, what we need to do is to bring them to the source of healing, the one who can help them. It is nothing that we can do because we can't change the circumstance, but we need to bring them to the one who can. Jesus. There's a lot of people going to come and ask you, why do you still go to church? It baffles some people at, at my gym. They're like, James, your church is still running? I'm like, yes. And they're like, why? I'm like, why not? And they're like, shouldn't you like, like close it down and just 
keep yourself safe and just hide at home. I says, then I didn't become a pastor to do that. And this morning, those of you who came for Sabbath school, not many, but those of you who came, saw the video I showed of the pastor who was supposed to migrate to Australia who decided to stay back in Wuhan. He says, the people needs me here now. God needs me to be there now. Influencers are very interesting, right? They, they, they take photos of what they eat, and then people see the photo, they go and eat that thing. And that's pretty much what it is, right, influencer. Uh, it's interesting. I, 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 I am not an influencer, but I like food. Like those who, who are part of my Instagram know that a lot of it is food, right? I went, to, I went to Portland to study, but I didn't take pictures of my classes. Why are you going to take pictures of notes and professors? I did one or two. But most of my other photos was food. And then people were like, James, I'm going to eat that thing that you took. It's interesting, right? You just watch, you see a photo of something, and you're like, oh, that's really good. I want to eat that. I feel like in church, this is like Instagram. You know, like you live your life that's not related to this. You do your thing. Uh, and then once in a while, you flip open Instagram. And you go, oh, that looks nice. Maybe I'll try that someday. Then you swipe up. Oh, that's nice. And then you swipe. Oh, I don't like that. Swipe again. And then you find something that you like, and then like eventually one day, out of the 20 things you see, you do one. And you're like, wow, so great, I did one. In talking about union with Jesus, union with Christ, I feel like as Christians, I grew up in, 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 this, in the Adventist church, and you feel like that what I've been taught was this. God is there. I need God to make my life better. And so... I super glue God to myself. And then because super gluing God to me doesn't really work because you need the time to bond, you clamp the two things together. If it's clamped together long enough, you will stick. May I tell you, I've had many experiences with super glue. They are lying. They're not super glue. Because there have been things that I try to stick together that don't stick together. And in the process of trying to stick those things together, other things were not supposed to stick together, stick together. They're super annoying glue. That's how we, I think, how we view God. We're like, God is good. I need help. Holy Spirit is super glue. But we're still not the same thing. We're still two different things. And at times when pressure comes, when when corrosion comes, and or with time, this super glue kind of goes away, and the two things separated, and then you don't even realize, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's separated again, and then you try to put the super glue, and then you force yourself together, and then you clamp yourself together, you pressurize each other, trying to be connected to Jesus. Is that how your experience is with, with being a Christian? There are all these external behavior, rules, regulations are just trying to be stuck to you by super glue and then you're just like forced by this church community, this peer pressure to perform, act in a certain way. But I think union with God is more like soldering. 
I'm not very good at it, but I've tried it a few times. It's sort of an interesting chemical reaction. You know, you have a, a metal piece that, that you, know, you need to have another metal piece to be connected to it. You need a third metal alloy that will melt with heat. And in this melting thing, it doesn't just like super glue stick these two together. It actually technically melts all three metal. And when they merge together, you cannot separate them anymore. And it's this external heat that comes that melts the two metal that they become one. I think that's something that we have to learn. That when we tries to be in union with Christ, when we accept Jesus into our lives, you actually, you're giving up being who you are or who you were. You will not be like the person before. That should be a good thing. You will not be like this person who, who, who is without Jesus. Because once Jesus comes into your life, the heat, and I, I, it's interesting, the Holy Spirit is called the fire. And when the fire comes, it melts. It's not always very pleasant in the beginning. But once it happens, once it's fused together, you act in a way that sometimes you wonder, how come? How did you manage to act in that way? And you realize, because now Jesus is a part of your life, you are a part of Jesus' life. See, we worship one God. But many Christians don't believe so. Because many Christians, for example, in Asda, if a hundred of us, we believe there's a hundred God. You know why? Because we believe we are individuals and God is an add-on. And so this version one of God, version two of God, version three based on all these individuals. But there's actually only one God and when we become Christian, we're choosing to be a part of Him. Not Him choosing to be a part of us. He is God. And when you choose to be a part of God, you're actually giving up who you are, the way you act, the, the, the thing you decide. You're no longer being in charge. I have, uh, I don't know whether I still have it, but I have a bad case of hay fever. That's why I left Australia. Now. <laughs> part of the reason. Like, Melbourne has very bad pollen, and, and me and my friends will always be like, you know, ninjas when the, when the pollen comes, because our nose will just try to separate from the body, try to run away. And then the flow of river and fountain flows daily. And then we have to like, you know, the way we deal with it initially, we have those uh, steroid spray that you spray in your nose. You have to spray it before you breathe anything. Or else it's too late. So we spray it, and then we realize that after spraying for too long, it's not good. So, so we try to take antihistamines, and then we try different brands. And it, it's really sad. Like every morning you wake up, the first thing you clamor for is not your glasses, like for me. It's my antihistamine. And then you know the antihistamine so well that you go through different brands because you grow immune to it. And then you go to switch to another brand, and then switch to another brand, and then switch to another brand, and you go to reset, come back to this first brand. That was not the life I wanted to live. And I went to a doctor friend, I'm like, what can you do? And my friend is very awesome. He says, cut off your nose. <laughs> I'm like, I love you too, bro. But he's like, really, that's the problem. You know, your nose is hyperreactive, it's reacting to the pollen. It thinks the pollen is attacking you. He's reacting, trying to flush it out, and he's like, no, actually, you have to like, go in. He said, the, the only way, really, is to like, clean it out from inside. 
He's like, there's a surgery you can do, and they scrape off the inside of your nose. And I'm like, whoa, intense. But I said, really, that's the only way. Or else you're going to keep taking this antihistamine or steroid spray. I mean, some of us have gotten used to taking antihistamine for our life in the Christian religious living sense. We're just trying to like deal with the symptoms. You know, just trying to like stop the, the, the sin, you know, the mistakes we do. We take steroid sprays, prevent it. Our prayer in the morning is not to connect with Jesus. Our prayer in the morning, God, help me not to sin so that I don't die in the hellfire. That's not Christian life. God doesn't invite us into this relationship for fear. Like, it's just like, ugh. But God wants to transform us from the inside out. And He invites, by doing that, we say we invite Jesus to transform me. No, 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 no. He's saying, you come to be a part of me. And when you become a part of me, you are transformed because you are now part of who I am. Revelation 3.20. We hear this verse forever. Like, I, I heard it growing up in church all the time. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And we always stop at the part, I with him, you know. I saw the part where I'll eat with him. We always imagine our heart, we open the door, Jesus come in and he lives in there and transform me. But he says, no, 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 that's part of it. But now you also, you eat with me. Now you also come into my life. It's not just me making minor improvement. I'm doing a whole demolition of the house now that you have no house to live in, but you have to live in my mansion. I'm eating with you, is you eating with me. When you open the door to allow me into your life, he doesn't want to just stay in that little cramped space. He's like, that house, that slump is good, but you shouldn't stay there because you're a prince, you're a princess. Now get out of the house and move into my castle. He doesn't want to just make minor changes to our very, very old computer that is three months old. Like my friends, like we in IT, we're so bad. We're like, hey man, how was your computer? Six months, bro. What are you doing with the dinosaur? We're like, man, I know, right? Six months. I've reached the stage now, I'm just not in that world anymore. My computer's three years old. I tell him, my computer's three years old. He's like, still working? There's no one just make minor changes. God wants to change you from the Nokia 8610 to, to Huawei P40. I was going to say iPhone, but iPhone's there. Samsung Ultra 20, you know. Let's get a new thing. Because it's just a little bit. In John chapter 3, again it says, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water, and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And people say, God is so vindictive. It's like, man, like, you set this really crazy criteria. I was like, I die, I can't go into the kingdom of God. No. What he's saying here is like, you by any means actually have no rights to go into Disneyland. 
But if you walk up to the door of Disneyland with no ticket, you get chased away normally. And the ticket is not available to any human beings at all. But what you can say is, my surname's Disney. I'm his son. Somebody try to stop you? And to get that surname of Jesus Christ in your life, to be his child. And I, I note in the scripture, people like to say son and daughter. No, 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 no. You are the son because the son in the scripture is the firstborn who gets double inheritance, who is the promised one. All of us don't get a lesser status. We get the status of the son. The highest order, back in Hebrew culture. And when you walk to the door of Disney, you say, I am Disney's firstborn. You walk in. And the, uh, the criteria of getting that is to first be born again. People think being born again through the water, that's very symbolic. No, I think it's actually a status change. It's like getting married. You people say, yeah, yeah, marriage ceremony is not important. Yeah. Try not registering with the registry of marriage. That's a different thing. But ultimately, I think legal standing has nothing to do with anything for marriage. It's with God. And baptism is not for people to see. People come to me and say, Jesus didn't say you have to baptize. I like, show me. You know, part of baptism is this. The very first act of being baptized into the family, to accept that whole process, is to say, Lord, I feel uncomfortable, but I'm submitting to what your word says. I don't understand why you want to use this person into the water, coming out of water process. I don't understand, but you said it. Submission. When you're choosing to say, I'm no longer being in control of my life, I'm letting you be in control. That's the first act of submission, and letting God decide what to do. See, Jesus himself, as crazy as it is, when he was going to get baptized, he walked up to John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, I should be baptized by you. But Jesus says, let me be baptized to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus got baptized. So he's not asking us to do anything that more than he has done himself. He didn't need to, if anybody. But he didn't. But it's okay when you come to me and pastor, I don't want to baptize in front of the whole church and everybody sings songs as I march into the water. That's fine. There's no methodology. You still want to be baptized privately at the back in, in Uncle Fred Long's swimming pool. That's fine. Ned was baptized twice there, I heard. Yeah. Not by choice, fish pond. The swimming pool. Yeah? We call it the swimming pool. The river <laughs> of life. That's different. Yeah? The Bible doesn't say you cannot be baptized like that. But that's one thing. That's the one first thing. But the scripture doesn't stop there. Because a lot of us just stop there. We think baptized is done. The scripture doesn't stop there. This is by born of the water and the spirit. Because one is an act of being rebirthed as a man, when being born of the Spirit, rebirthed as the Son of God spiritually too. Because it's not by our own effort or will or intention that we, we can be united with Jesus Christ and let Him take over our mind and our choices. It's actually submitting to the Holy Spirit who says, God, I don't know what to do. I can't make myself do what God wants me to do. You take over. 
making the choice to surrender the right to act. And so there's this, this process in the scripture where somebody is baptized, he's actually giving up his rights. I love this church. I was actually there. Every Sunday, Sunday church, they are right at the, the corner of Hollywood. And they push this huge can out to the, the intersection at the, the, the traffic light. And then hundreds of people gather there and they'll baptize all afternoon. And, and I talked to the pastor and I'm like, why? He's like, you know, that's the best evangelism. I'm like, what do you mean? I don't even do advertising. I don't do marketing. But every Sunday, as people drive by, they wonder what's going on with us. I get visitors who simply come to see what we're doing. Because it's Hollywood. You get tourists, you get celebrities, you get all these people just like, what are they doing over there? And then they just stop by. They actually grew to such a state that they rent three other car parks for people to park and come to just observe this baptism. And he tells the people getting baptized, see, you're not only baptizing in a personal choice, you're baptizing and embracing the mission of Jesus. You are witnessing his work by your first act of accepting him. And I stood there, I was like, wow. He got to the place when I visited him that he needed three of this big thing. And they were just simultaneously being baptized. So baptism is not just a thing you do with God. It's allowing God to take over and now be in charge. And saying that now you're my disciples, now do my work. And we need to be baptized not only by the water, but also by the Holy Spirit. Because the water tells us we should do it, the Holy Spirit help us to do it. You can't do one without the other. You can't say, give me the Holy Spirit to want to do it, but say, you haven't done it yet. So you do the water and says, now I want to do it, I don't, I can't. No, the Spirit comes and says, I'll help you. It comes together. And Colossians 3 verse 3 is very clear about this process of union, uniting with Jesus Christ. He says, for you have died. You have died. You're dead. The old person who wants to be in control, to be in charge, to make your own decision, do things of your own fancy and pleasure has died. And your life now is hidden with Christ in God. God is not living in you. You are living in God. And when God moves, you move. When God raises his arm, you raise your arm because you're now you're his arm and his feet and his leg. So that's another thing that the influencer do. The influencer take photos and then they let people decide what they want to follow. Uh, there was this, this person who actually, what he did was he, he handed over his rights as an influencer. So he, he will let whoever he supports decide everything he do for one week. Everything. And so he'll start, he'll, he'll take a, he took a photo, I, did, I couldn't find it, um, it's not copyrighted to show you. So he took a photo of his start point, and he says, now comment on what I should do next. And then for one week, he just took photo of everything he's been asked to do. Of course, you have to vote the number one thing that's being voted. And he did. And he's, so he was at a, at a traffic light, and then somebody voted now, uh, stand there for one hour. And then I think because it was too early, the people haven't got involved in it, and he actually had to do it. So he, he took photos of the, the <laughs> traffic light and the watch. He took photo, and he would keep taking photo for every 15 minutes. And he stood there for an hour. 
And then people start getting like, this guy is crazy. He's really doing what we're trying to seem to do. And it's now walk across the street to this particular noodle shop and order the super spicy noodle, but ask them to double the spiciness. And he did it. So he went there and he died pretty much from that. And then he's like, now he said, go and drink a gallon of water. So he did that for a whole day. And people start getting like, like okay, let's, do pro- like, let's not just kill this guy. Right? So they started giving him interesting instruction, uh, go help people, dress up as Spider-Man in downtown and help every old people across the road. And then they did different things like that throughout the day. And after the week, uh, he shared, how does it feel? He says, it's really scary. But it's also very freeing. He said, I didn't have to think of what to wear. You know, every morning he goes to the closet and he takes a photo and people pick clothes for him. I didn't have to think of what to wear. I didn't have to think of what to eat. I didn't know what to do. Of course, I'm not encouraging anybody to do that. When he's trying to get supporters and fans. And but I think when we choose to unite with Jesus Christ, we're saying, now you take over my account. Now you decide what I do. What do you do? Do you go to him in the morning for a little verse and go, okay, that's it. See you later at the end of the day. Or do you ask him throughout the day, God, what should I do? Do you pray continuously and say, God, what should I do next? What is, what, what is the thing you want me to do? Are you keeping an eye out and observing what the Holy Spirit is doing and going, hey, I want to be a part of that? Or you just go through your day like, oh, day is over. Let me pray. Thank you, Jesus, for a safe day. I didn't die. I didn't get coronavirus. I didn't get COVID-19. Uh, thank you. Good night. Next morning, thank you, Jesus, for a good night's sleep. Keep me safe today. Thank you, Jesus, for a good day. Good night. Thank you, Jesus, for a good night's sleep. Good morning. And the amazing thing the Bible promises is that out of the dead life we have, this cement life, if you allow him to change us, no matter how dead you are, new life can spring through. New life can come out even from the cracks of cement. But it's not only for yourself, as that, especially during times like this, as that you're not just allowing life to go, grow through you, but you're encouraged to grow and become trees. It's really interesting. So I was looking for photos and I write Plants through cement and Orchard Road came out. And it's really true, right? If you look at like, Singapore, there's a lot of trees in cement. Yeah? And if you read the history, uh, Mr. Lee Kuan actually chose the trees intentionally because they provide shade. Like some of the trees, the Angsana tree, was specifically chosen for parts of Singapore. See, we're not supposed to just be focused on ourselves in this Christian walk about me being okay with God. We're also supposed to grow up and become a blessing to others. These little plants that grow up from the cement should blossom into a tree that provides shades for others. Because God never helped us grow by ourselves, but help us grow as a community. See, one tree in Singapore will not make tree Singapore a garden city. But it's because every friend I've come through Singapore, wherever they are from, I friend, you know the, my, my friend Justin and the family just came from Guam, who's like island paradise. He's like, I love Singapore. It's so green and so beautiful. I'm like, you just came from Guam. But he's like, no, this is nice. And I really take it for granted. But that's how we are. If we work together as the, all trees that's been 
changed by Jesus, we can all provide shade, especially to a time where now the sun is beating hot upon Singapore. The pressures, the, sh- the danger, the fear, the, the uncertainty. Singaporeans are panicking and not knowing what to do. We can provide shade. But not by our own power, but by through Jesus Christ, who wants to work through us if you allow him. So I pray as that, that we would seek to unite with Christ, see his work, and be a part of that work. Amen.